Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant podcast. This is Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry, and the title of this episode is The Tree of Life. And uh, this podcast episode today and uh, uh, a series of rants that I did on JesusRant.com um, probably last week, I guess, depending on when this one comes out. Uh, anyway, they were inspired by uh, a conversation that my son Logan and I were having when uh, when he said something about the forbidden fruit, and he mentioned that he thought it was an apple because that's kind of the um, you know the popular nomenclature about the the forbidden fruit. Uh, people say Eve ate the poisoned apple, or you know whatever they say, which which really is more like uh, Sleeping Beauty than, than a Bible story. But uh, that kind of got me inspired and kind of got me fired up, and we started talking about a lot of this stuff, and I was showing him some of this stuff, and uh, he really seemed to be getting it, and he really seemed to be enjoying it. So then I thought, well, I'm going to rant about this. And then I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant about this on the website in my daily blog, and I'm going to do a podcast about it. I'm really going to try to get some of this info out there because I think it's important that uh, that we know at least what, in my opinion, what the uh, the actual forbidden fruit was, and I'm going to show you why I think that's important, and I'm going to try to draw a pretty straight line from the beginning to the end so that we can see how things were, what Jesus did to make things how they are now. So, uh, where we open up, uh, I'm going to be mostly in Genesis today, but I'm going to try to, uh, uh, again, for the sake of time, because you guys know how uh, I don't want to overwhelm anybody or, you know, get, uh, give anybody too much. I, I think the Gorilla Gospel, the uh, the kind of hit and run, the uh, the kind of, you know, get your point across and get out, leave them wanting more rather than leave them feeling like they have too much kind of um, ministry uh, deal is better, certainly better for me. I mean, I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours, and, and even when when I was talking with my son about it, he was like, okay, dad, this is really awesome, but, uh, I only have 10 minutes to play video games, so I don't want you to use up all my time. So, uh, so I know that I can get a little long-winded when it comes to Jesus. Uh, I think I mentioned before that I've been told that, uh, Jesus and my family are really the only two things that I take seriously, which again, I, I kind of stand by because I think those are the two important things in, in this world, the two important things in life. Uh, but, there's so much that you can go into when you're talking about the tree of life. There's so much that you can go into when you're talking about uh, the two trees that were in the Garden of Eden. And obviously there were more than just two trees in the Garden of Eden. But the two trees that, that the story focuses on, which of course is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil or the tree of death. And I think it's very important that we understand that right off the bat. So uh, let me read Genesis Chapter 2, verse 9, and again, unless I say otherwise, uh, I'm making the transition to the New Living Translation. So everything I have today is in the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 reads like this. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And again, uh, the two trees in the beginning 
that concept, that idea is so very important. And even the contrast between the two trees, again, the tree of life and the tree of death, um, we need to understand, and I wrote a whole book about this called Identity Crisis, uh, that there are only two men who have ever lived on this earth. There's Adam, the, the, the first Adam, who is of the earth and earthy, and there's Jesus, the last Adam, who is from heaven. And, uh, and we see that all throughout the scripture. We see that quite a bit. We see that picture uh, all throughout the, the story of, you know, of Jesus, his history, his story. And I think we see it right here again, too, is we see the tree of life, which is Jesus, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is the tree of death, which is Adam. And, and, and I'm going to close with that. So I just really want to hit that hard right now so we can see uh, the, the contrast. And, and really, we can kind of see why there are two trees. Um, it's almost, to me, it's almost like informed consent. It's almost like you have to, sometimes you have to touch the, the hot stove before you know what it means to be hot. Sometimes you have to, you know, you can't learn from your mistakes if you don't make any mistakes. So I feel like in a way there had to be uh, a way for God to show people um, what was available to them and, and then kind of let them choose. And we're going to get down to it in just a second. Uh, the, the next verse that I'm going to read, uh, or the next passage rather that I'm going to read, uh, it, this one really kind of bothers me a lot because so many times people talk about, well, God punished Adam and Eve for disobeying him. God said, don't eat from that tree or you'll die. And what he meant was, if you eat from that tree, I'm going to kill you. And I don't think that that was what God did at all. Well, let me read it, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go into to my, uh, my explanation and my understanding of it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. <laughs> the, the text in the New Living Translation says that God warned him not to eat of it. He wasn't threatening him. He wasn't saying, if, if you eat of it, I'm going to kill you. He wasn't saying, disobey me in your toast. He was saying, there's a tree of life and there's a tree of death. If you eat of the tree of death, you're going to die. And really, what else could possibly happen? That's not God punishing anybody. That's the natural consequence of that action. If you eat from the tree of death, you will surely die. Obviously. Of course. There's such a big difference between threatening somebody and warning somebody. And I think our Heavenly Father's heart, of course, always, was to warn Adam about what would happen if he ate from the wrong tree. Uh, but again, you know, listen, if... if <laughs> If God didn't want Adam to eat from that tree, he wouldn't have created it. If God didn't want Adam to eat from that tree, he could have stopped him. And I'm not saying that God wanted Adam to die. I'm saying again, it's it's like again, it's like it's like informed consent. You, you it's like curiosity killed the cat, right? Like you have to know. But then once you know, you have to also deal with the consequences of those actions because every action has consequences. Some consequences are good, some consequences are bad, some consequences are ugly, but every action has consequences. So I think God was 
showing Adam a more excellent way and he was warning Adam, you really shouldn't do this because if you do, it's not going to be good. And again, I have a verse at the end that, that I hope is really going to drive this home. Uh, so stick around for that. But uh, the fact that God was warning Adam is so much different than how we've presented it with the fact that God, you know, we the religious world has kind of presented this as God was threatening Adam. Don't you eat from that tree or I'm going to kill you, which is not what the scripture says. It's it's not what the passage says. Again, in this translation, it, it, it literally says that God warned him. You can eat from any tree you want, but if you eat from the tree of death, only one thing can come from that fruit, that forbidden fruit, that, in my opinion, that fig. Because I don't believe that the, the forbidden fruit was an Adam, I believe, or I'm sorry, an apple, Adam, apple, that's funny. Um, I believe that it was a fig, and I'm going to show you why in just a second, and then I'm going to show you why that's important uh, sh shortly after that. So uh, I really want to hammer home that God was not threatening Adam. God was warning Adam. He was trying to protect Adam while still at the same time uh, kind of giving Adam that measure of free will, which as a parent of, of my own child, I know many times the best that I can do is try to warn him, to try to prepare him, to try to get him to a place where uh, when he makes his own decisions, and he will make his own decisions, my kid makes his own decisions all the time, and, and I encourage that, and I want that. I don't want him to be a puppet. I don't want to control him. I want him to live his own life. And at the same time, I want him to live the best life that he can have. So I try to lead him and guide him and direct him and protect him while still equipping and empowering him to make his own decisions. And I think that's what we see here from the Father's heart is God saying, I'm not going to stop you, but I am going to caution you. I am going to warn you. I am going to tell you that there's a better way, a more excellent way. And I think the problem really more than anything else with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, with the tree of death, is that good and evil are on the same tree. So, you know, so many times when you hear people talk about, oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm really going to change things. I'm going to I'm going to stop with the evil and I'm going to do good. But the problem is, is that those are, again, those are both on the same tree. Those are, are leaves on the same tree. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's not about jumping from branch to branch. It's not about behavior modification where you're trying to be somebody that you're not in order to get something that you think you haven't got. The the true transformation or the true shift or the, the, the true um, coming out of death into life is getting on a whole different diet, a whole different tree. And, and we're going to see that again uh, here in a minute. We're going to see how Jesus has really, you know, uh, he's made that I don't want to say necessarily easier for us, although in some ways it is a lot easier when you just trust in him and, and you know the, the, the work that he finished and you know all of the things that he did for us and through us and as us. Um, we can see that after man made the wrong decision, because I do believe that eating from the tree of death is the wrong decision. He was warned and he did it anyway, and there were consequences. Uh, but even having saying that, I, I, I didn't write this part out. Uh, I didn't look this part up because I, I was trying to cut through some of it again, you know, for, for the sake of brevity. But after uh, man ate from the tree of death, and on that day he died, um, people will then say, and then God punished him again by kicking him out of the garden. But that's not what the scripture says there either. God said, I'm going to cast you out of the garden 
to keep you from eating from the tree of life now that you're in this, what we kind of commonly refer to as a fallen state. Because if you eat from the tree of life, you'll be stuck like this forever. And God didn't want that for man. So so instead of uh, man, really, instead of him having the full consequences of his action, God once again was protecting him. And we always seem like we want to look at God as like this bitter, angry, you know, uh, bearded old man sitting up on a cloud with it, with his lightning bolt, just ready to strike us down at every opportunity. When what we see in the scriptures and what we're going to see uh, uh, in just a second today is that the, the true nature of God is somebody who loves his children so much that he will do anything to protect us. He will do, he, I mean, he literally gave his only son so that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. He laid his life down for us. He gave his life for us and he gave his life to us so that we could have it, so that we could come out of death. Which, which again, you know, if there's only two men that ever lived, Adam and Jesus, before the cross, we were, quote unquote, in Adam. After the cross, you know, when Jesus was lifted up from the earth, he drew all men into himself on the cross. He drew us out of Adam and into himself so that from that point on, we no longer had to identify with the first Adam, but we could identify as the uh, our true identity as the last Adam. Remember, we talked about our identity. It is Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world, God in the flesh, love in a body, God in our flesh, love in our body. When we look in the mirror, we see Jesus. When God looks at Jesus, he sees us. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. There's no separation. There's no difference. He lives in us and we live in him. So when when Jesus pulled us out of death and into life, when Jesus pulled us out of Adam and into himself, uh, that's when the shift took place. That's when everything changed. Like I think I've mentioned on here, uh, my mom has said something very important to me when she said, either the cross changed everything or it didn't change anything. And I think uh, in some ways we're going to see that when when we get to the, the New Testament today with, with the scriptures that I want to read and we see what um, Jesus did with the fig tree that wouldn't, uh, couldn't produce any fruit. And again, that's why I think it's important uh, that I think that this is a fig tree. And, and, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I think it's the fig tree. And that comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. The woman was convinced, and, and this was after the serpent had been you know, hissing in her ear and telling her, oh, if you eat from that tree, you'll, you'll be like God. Your eyes will be open and you'll be able to see things as they really are and all this other stuff that, that he lied to her about. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, let's think about this. If you all of a sudden... Okay, you've been naked since the day you were born, right? And it never bothered you. That's just the way things were. You didn't know any better. Ignorance is bliss. You didn't need clothes. You know, nobody had told you about clothes. You were just happy just being, right? And then you eat from the tree of death, which you were warned not to do. And all of a sudden, your natural eyes are opened. And I believe at that time, the spiritual eyes of man really closed in a very large way. And I think that's what what God was talking about when he said, on that day you will surely 
die. I believe on that day that on that day they did die in, in a very real manner, spiritually speaking. Even though Adam went on to live, I believe like some nine hundred years after that or something. So it wasn't a natural death God was talking about, but more like a spiritual death. And uh, and suddenly, all of a sudden, you realize that you're naked, and you realize what that means to be naked. Which to me, it's always meant you know to be exposed or to be vulnerable or to not have any protection. Uh, to me, it's 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 always been like more of like a naked truth where there's nothing hiding who you really are. And I think that's scary for people because I, I think we have this idea that if I show people who I really am, they might not like me and they'll reject me and and, and that'll be horrible. I'll, I'll feel bad about who I really am because uh, they'll, you know, I'll be rejected. So they were shame, they felt shame at their nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And if you had just realized that you were naked and you had and you were ashamed of it, I think you would probably grab the nearest thing at hand to try to cover yourself up. Like you know, you see those uh, cartoons or whatever where where uh, people will hide behind a tree and, the, and they'll grab the leaves from the tree and, and cover up their uh, their unmentionables, as it were. Um, so what did they have right on hand? They had fig leaves, and that's. That's a main, one of the main reasons that I believe that it wasn't an apple tree at all. It was a fig tree. Because as soon as they ate from, from the tree, they grabbed leaves, I believe, from the tree to try to cover themselves with. And I think that it's important that they saw their nakedness as evil and they saw covering themselves as good. I think that's, that's an important concept. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get too far into that today. But... Uh, I think that's something that we need to to really see and to really realize. And then uh, I'm going to skip down to Genesis 3:21. But before before we got to this verse, we saw some things where you know God asked, uh, "Hey, where are you guys?" And you know Adam said, uh, "We we ate from the wrong tree, and we thought you were going to be mad at us, and and different things like this." They hid from the presence of God, and they were like, "We were naked, and we were ashamed." And God said, "Who told you you were naked?" Because in God's mind, in God's eyes, in God's point of view, they were naked the day before, and he didn't care, and they didn't care. So he knew something had happened to change that uh, dynamic on, on man's side, on our side. God had never has, and never had, and never will have uh, a problem with our nakedness. But once man had a problem with it, then... then you know, in, in, a, in a very real sense, it became God's problem. All of a sudden, he had a problem with our problem. Or or rather, he had a problem because we had a problem. Like, he took our problem uh, onto himself. You know, as as any true parent will do, if your kid has a problem, you know, you want to you wanna help him with it. You want to solve that problem. You want to fix that problem. And you can't always do that, and you shouldn't always try to do that. Because at some point... You know, as our kids get older, they have to, you know, fly by themselves or, or figure things out for themselves and kind of, you know, learn learn these coping skills and, and all these different things. But in, in this situation, what happened was in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it reads, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So even though God didn't have a problem with their nakedness, because man had a problem, God fixed it, and he fixed it way better than they did with, with, with their efforts. They tried to cover up their nakedness with the same leaves from the same tree that had exposed it to them and made them shameful of it. God 
had a more excellent way. And he made clothes for them from animal skins. And I believe that, that the animal skin that he used was obviously, of course, lamb skin. Jesus, the lamb of the world. Um, and and uh, I think that really what God was doing, more than anything, even then, even at the point where he, quote unquote, learned of their disobedience, because, you know, God is omniscient and omnipresent and all those things. Like God knew what was going to happen and God knew when it happened and God knew what had happened. But uh, the very second that they kind of confessed their their mistake to him or their disobedience to him, if you want to, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to say it that way, even then at that point, God didn't punish them. He clothed them and he clothed them with himself. Even then, at the point of the worst thing that they could have done, they disregarded and disobeyed his warning, and they caused a lot of problems for themselves, and God still said, I'm going to help you clean up this mess. I told you not to do it, and you did it, but we are going to take care of it. He, he wrapped them in himself. He clothed them with himself, with, with the skins of an animal, or, or, or again, I believe, the, the skins of a lamb. So, uh, hopefully, so far, what we're seeing is uh, not an angry God who punishes people who don't do what he says, but a loving Heavenly Father who is willing to help his children uh, even when they disregard his warnings. Even then, they do what he, he says you ought not to do. God knows best, but he lets us do what we're of a mind to do. And then he still helps us with it once we've made a mess of it. I think that's awesome. I think that's good news. I think that's the gospel. Uh, no matter where you are or what you've done or what you're doing, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always love you. He will always help you. He will always take care of you if, you know, if you'll let him, if, if you'll come to him, if you'll run to your heavenly father, instead of running from him. Don't hide from the presence of God. Embrace the presence of God. Let him do what he's going to do. And that's what we're going to about to see in Matthew chapter 21, verse 18 and 19. We're about to see what Jesus is going to do in, in the fulfillment of this, this fig tree idea. And, and this is the other verse that makes me believe more than anything that the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death, was the fig tree. Matthew 21, verses 18 and 19. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. So Jesus is hungry, and he sees this tree, and, and there's leaves on it. It's in bloom. It's not like you know, uh, I live in Michigan, and it's not like most of the year when, when the trees aren't producing a whole lot. This tree should have been good to go. This tree had the leaves, the you know, the very same leaves, in, in my opinion, uh, spiritually speaking, that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves. It, those leaves were there, but there was no fruit on it. There were no figs. There was nothing that would sustain you. And, and, and really, as we saw, you know, back in Genesis, there was nothing that could even cover you. Because uh, a crude covering of fig leaves doesn't compare in any way, shape, or form to the, the Lamb of God who, who took away the sin of the world. And he said to it, May you never bear fruit again, which the only fruit it had ever borne in the first place was, was the fruit of, of death. And immediately the fig tree withered up. And I think in some other translations, in some other verses, it talks about Jesus cursing the fig tree and it withering up. 
And that's important because we started with two trees, right? We started with two men, right? We started with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or Adam, and we started with the tree of life, or Jesus. And now Jesus has come and he's cursed the fig tree. He's, he's, he said, he, he's told, really, I mean, really, he's told Adam, you, you aren't producing any fruit. So you, we're done with you. We're moving on to a new thing. Uh, remember when we talked about all those new things in one of these pod episodes? Uh, a new life, a new name, all these new things he wanted to, uh, he wanted to, and, and he did on the cross, through the cross, because of the cross, the six steps to the throne that he took. Uh, he brought us out of the old and into the new. And, and that's why water baptism is important. That's why the second death is important and all those different things, because this was the first death when Adam died and we were in him. And then the second death when Jesus died was the death of death and it pulled us out of death and into life. So I hope we can see uh, kind of the parallels there or or the the you know the the spiritual rumblings there if I can if I can say it that way. So from there we go we had two trees and then Jesus cursed one of them and now we're going to fast forward all the way to the book of Revelation which I I believe is just an a, a really in-depth look at the cross. I don't believe Revelation is in our future. I believe when uh, when John the Revelator was on the island of Patmos which means my death and he heard a voice from behind him that uh, all of the things that he heard in Revelation were things being spoken of that had already happened and and were an explanation of the things that, that Jesus had done on the cross. I believe Revelation is a very in-depth look at the cross. But, uh, but again, that's just me. And, uh, sometimes people don't always agree with the things that I say, but this is my pod, so that's what you're hearing. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear and crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. And again, this is one tree, you know, kind of uh, kind of bridging the water of the river, if I can say it that way. There's not a tree of life on each side of, of the river. It's, it's one tree. Uh, grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So, okay, so let's track this. In the Garden of Eden, we've got two trees. In the book of Matthew, Jesus gets rid of one of them. And then in the book of Revelation, the, the finished work, the true paradise, the kingdom of God, we're back to the tree of life, but, but that's the only tree. So uh, I guess you could say it's, you know, addition by subtraction. God started with two. Um... Man, man chose to get into trouble with with the wrong one, with the tree of death. Despite God's warnings, God took care of it anyway. He clothed man when man couldn't effectively clothe himself. Jesus came and cursed that tree, and, and it withered up and died. And and he got rid of that tree, just like he fulfilled the law, just like he conquered sin and death, and got rid of all of those things to move us out of the old and into the new. And then we come to the book of Revelation, to, to the, again, the, the true paradise of God, the kingdom of God, and the only tree that we have left is the tree of life. And I think that's really kind of a perfect picture of what happened on the cross, the messianic rebirth of the world, where uh, Jesus kind of, you know, the, the, 
the consuming fire that consumes everything except itself, where uh, Jesus got rid of everything except himself, so that at this point, you know, only love is left. And we don't have to deal with all these other things. We don't have to uh, be concerned with all these other things. We don't have to struggle with sin. We don't have to struggle with death. All of those things were taken care of by Jesus on our behalf. And, and again, he didn't just do it for us. He did it in us and through us and as us. He overcame the world, and that's what makes us overcomers. Being an overcomer doesn't mean, well, now I can overcome maybe if I try really hard. Being an overcomer means I have overcome. And the reason that you have overcome is because Jesus overcame. And he did it one more time in you and through you and as you. And I like the idea of having uh, 12 crops of fruit because, listen, uh, my uh, very rudimentary understanding of trees is that uh, a seed produces after its own kind. Okay, You don't go to an apple tree to find oranges. You go to an apple tree to find apples. So in my opinion, the tree of life, it only has one fruit. So if you're talking about bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, to me, all that simply says is you have love for every situation and every occasion. And uh, just in the same way that apples come in many shapes and many sizes, I believe love comes in many shapes and many sizes. I believe that love is the solution that we need in this world. But that doesn't mean that you treat everybody uh, exactly the same. Because everybody loves differently and everybody receives love differently. And that's where you need to use wisdom, and that's where you really need to use uh, a little bit of sense. That's where you need to build your relationships and get to know people so that you can know how to love them, so that you can be able to speak their love language, so that they'll be able to pick up what you're laying down. And again, uh, if there's 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop for each month, then, you know, love lasts year-round. And we never have to look for anything else. If you're plugged into or, or if you're eating from this tree of life, then that's what you need. That's the right diet. And, and diet is important when you consider that you are what you eat. If you're eating the fruit of the tree of life, if you're eating love all the time, then that's what you'll be filled with. And once you're filled with it, you can fill yourself to overflowing with it. And what's in you can come out of you. The love in you can come out of you. Now, there are three verses in Proverbs that speak of the tree of life. Well, there's more than three, but there's three that I, I searched out for this, this episode today. Uh, and I want to read all of those, and then I want to hit my verse in Romans, and then I'm, I'm going to get us out of here. So, Proverbs 11, verse 30 reads, The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. And again, I think that that just comes back to to the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, the fruit of the tree of life, which is love. Uh, love is, is the seed of good deeds. When you plant love and you water love and you nurture love, what grows from that is good deeds, is you know being kind to people, um, winning friends, loving people, laying your life down, giving what you've got because you know that it's what everybody needs. Um, and then we have Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, and it says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And we talked uh, a few weeks ago about being king, being kings and priests, about how Jesus is the king of kings, about his authority uh, in us, and about 
executing his judgment. And a big part of that was, you know, where the word of a king is, there's power. Gentle words are a tree of life. Just because you think something doesn't mean you need to say it. You need to be careful with your words because death and life, the power of death and life, lie in the tongue. Gentle words are a tree of life. If you want to help, again, nurture people, if we're talking about seeds and fruit and all these, these different pictures of love, um, gentle words can help to build people up, to edify people, to uh, to give them what, what they think they might be lacking, to show them uh, a more excellent way. Uh, and, and I think it's important to be gentle with people because uh, I'm sure you've heard I'm sure you've heard the phrase or, or the quote or whatever you want to call it that that talks about everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. So be kind, and and I think that that's super important. So many times uh, I've been having like a conversation with somebody about something else. And you can just tell that they're not even really into this conversation because whatever it is that's in their head is is almost too much for them. And, and they're dealing with something and they're struggling with something. And at that time, at, at those times, and, and really at all times, it's so important that we give instead of trying to get. Um, if you're trying to get somebody from something who feels like they're running on empty who feels like they don't have anything to give, you're just going to overwhelm them even more and you're not going to get what you want from them because at that time they may not have what you want. And if you're trying to get somebody from get something from somebody anyway, that's not love because love is giving. Love is seeing a need and meeting it. So sometimes you have to look past yourself and you have to say, okay, it doesn't matter what I need right now. Let's find out what you need. And, and if at all possible, if I have it, if I can, if I can meet that need, then I will. And that's what love to me is the simplest, uh, and, and in Jesus' opinion, the greatest expression of love that a man can have is to lay his life down for his friends, to say, this isn't about me. Let's see what we can do for you. And then the last one in Proverbs that I wanted to read today is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, which says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think this one's important because so many times we get the idea of of like a blessed hope and we get the idea of like some some far away pie in the sky uh quote unquote second coming where Jesus is just going to come back and swoop in with his army of angels and just make everything better and 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 I think the longer that we wait for that without seeing it the longer it seems like the world is bad and getting worse uh, the the sicker our heart gets, when really, Jesus already came, and I think that uh, that instead of us waiting for him, I think in a very real way he's waiting for us. I think he gave us the ball, and we just need to run with it. And uh, it says, a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When when we stop looking for uh, some pie in the sky someday, hopefully. Uh, blessed hope, and when we start seeing that Jesus lives in us right now, and we don't need a blessed hope because we have a blessed assurance, when we see that he has fulfilled the dream, really by giving us the tree of life, uh, not only is the dream fulfilled a tree of life, but the dream itself is of the tree of life. So once that dream is fulfilled, once we have what we need, then we can stop worrying about and obsessing about and focusing on all the things we don't have. We can have that attitude of gratitude 
where uh, where what we do have and and embracing what we have and using what we have is more important to us than trying to get what we don't have. So those are just a few examples in the Bible of of this this tree of life. And again, I think it's I think you know uh, pretty clearly the tree of life is Jesus. The seeds of good deeds are Jesus. Gentle words are Jesus, and a dream fulfilled is Jesus. It's all about Jesus, guys. That's you know that's that's my heart. That's that's my theology. That's my philosophy. The Jesus rant. It's all about Jesus. So let's wrap this up with this idea of um, the the two trees, the two men, Adam and Jesus. Romans five seventeen reads like this: For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So what we see here is that what Christ did was much more than what Adam did. Uh, Adam ate from the fig tree, but then Jesus destroyed the fig tree. So what Jesus did not only undid what Adam did, but it, 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 brought a, it didn't just reset it. It brought us into an even better place. Again, out of death and into life. Um, because Jesus, uh, again it says, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. So those things, his, his grace and his righteousness, his forgiveness, his mercy and his love, those are the things that equip and empower us to live his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life by letting him live it in us and through us and as us. And that is how we live in triumph over sin and death. And notice it doesn't say we conquer sin and death because we don't do that. Jesus did that. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Jesus did the heavy lifting. Jesus took us from, from a position of you have to choose a tree to the place where, okay, I got rid of one of the trees and there's only one tree left. So if we eat from that tree, we can experience everything God has for us. And we don't have to worry about flip-flopping from good to evil. We don't have to, you know, get the cosmic scales of justice out and say, man, I hope my good deeds outweigh my evil deeds. And we can just do away with that whole mindset of good and evil altogether, that duality of man. And I believe it's in the book of James where, uh, where it talks about... A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're always flipping back and forth between good and evil, well, I did this good, but I did that bad, and oh, I had a pretty good day today, but yesterday I was pretty horrible. And if you're, you know, if you're always counting up your your good deeds and your evil deeds, and you're trying to have more good than evil, that's exhausting, man. That's too much. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, even on your worst day, even even during the worst thing that you ever did. You were still the righteousness of God in Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I believe this whole story that I've laid out for us, this whole concept, this whole idea of the tree of life, I believe this was just God simplifying things for us. Just saying, okay, now you've had the experience of, of, the, of the tree of death, of, of the knowledge of good and evil. You've had that. You've done that. And now you can make an informed uh, uh, decision. You can come to the place where you can say, I don't want that. I've had that and it was not great. And now that I can see that there's a more excellent way, and now I can, uh, instead of trying to turn over a new leaf, I can just get onto a totally new tree. And I can eat the tree, I can, excuse me, I can eat the fruit from the tree of life. And I can share the fruit from the tree of life, which again is love. Love is giving. Uh, you, you can, you know, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So when we understand how good the fruit 
of the tree of life really is. Eve thought it looked good on the tree of death, but think how much better, how much greater it is on the tree of life. And when we start feasting on that fruit, and when we start sharing that fruit, and when we start uh, learning how to love people by learning how God loves us, when we start to really receive and release his love and just fill ourselves to overflowing with what he has already filled us with, when we really start to get out of the old and into the new, and by get, I mean embrace the truth that we are uh, out of the old and into the new, when we start applying these things in our lives and when we start focusing on these things, that's when we can really start to experience these things. And that's what I want to do with this ministry is I want to help us get to a place where we can experience all the good things that God has for us, all the life that God has for us, all the light and all the, the love that God has for us. So that's, uh, again, that's what Logan and I were talking about, and it really got me fired up. So I wanted to lay some of it out. There's so much here. There's so much good stuff here, and I'm, I'm going to keep digging into it. Uh, we've been doing this for over two months now already, and I feel I still feel like I'm, I'm really trying to just lay a foundation of, of kind of the basic things that I believe. And, uh, and when Logan said that uh, he thought the forbidden fruit was an apple, I was like, oh, this is a good one. This is, this is one that I really believe strongly in. I don't believe it was an apple. I believe it was a fig. And I'm going to tell you why. So now I've done that. Uh, and that's what I have for this episode. Thank you, as always, for all your support and for uh, for listening and, and telling your friends and all these different things. Uh, I really, really appreciate you guys. And uh, stick around for the old uh, old self-promo part here at the end. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully I'll see you again next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.